there are just some people that, and unfortunately, it's more of the majority than the minority, that are just, you know, your your Sports Illustrated college football fans. They know they're LSU's, they're Alabama's, they're Texas's, uh, but they don't know the Wyoming's, the San Jose States. They definitely don't know the Idaho's, the Texas States, the Prairie View A&M's. Losing an uphill battle, but man, it's sure fun one. Welcome back, tribe from the North Brave and Bold to the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and home of the Vandals on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chris Hammond, and with me today, I have Brian Marceau. Hey guys, good to be here. Today, uh, we're going to be previewing the 2020 secondary for the Idaho Vandals. We were supposed to be on YouTube. Uh, Of course, we took one step forward and two steps back, but hopefully we'll get that figured out before next year for you guys. We think we've nailed it down to Chris needs a new computer. Um, But we're also going to be covering a couple other things today. There's been some news that will affect the FCS. We also have a possible new series we want to introduce to you guys. So hopefully we can take up about an hour of your time and you guys will enjoy it. This episode is brought to you as every episode is brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks. I don't have a beer to crack today, so ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky Cold Snack. An ultra refreshing light beer born in majestic big sky country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho, supporting organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw, that's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for pow-pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today. To find out how to get your ass some snacks. Jumping in to Around the Bar. Brian, the new NFL CBA has been agreed upon, which means coming very shortly. In fact, I think this upcoming offseason, if not the 2021, or sorry, postseason, the NFL will now be having six wild card games on wild card weekend. Why does that apply to the Idaho Vandals? Well, let's just say that we're all wrong and the Vandals make the FCS title next year or any year, I guess, here in the future. So maybe it is possible that it will affect us. That means there is going to now be three NFL wildcard games on the Saturday of the FCS championship. Now, before that wasn't an issue because there was just two, which is why the kickoff was usually earlier in the morning because that allowed people to, you know, Tune in to the FCS title game, then do two NFL playoff games. That's not the case anymore, and it was beneficial last year because they put us on ABC to have kind of prime time, and then you had the national title game, and then two, you know, CBS and Fox having, or NBC or whoever, having two playoff games. Now, you're probably going to throw ESPN into that loop, which means ABC is probably going to be given to a playoff game maybe. Might still stay on ESPN. We don't really know how that will all look. Either way, it seems like the ABC and everything was working in the favor of the FCS title game. It's gotten more viewers last year. It upped it by like 40-something percent. And then this news comes out. Brian, I guess, do you have any thoughts, opinions on how the FCS, or I guess the NCAA, 
should handle this? Do you think you leave it on that weekend or any cool ideas to maybe keep some of the shine on the game so we don't just become overshadowed by the NFL playoffs? Because, I mean, that is part of the reason the championship game is like three or four weeks after the semifinals is because they wanted the bowl games to kind of die down. They don't want to compete with the Rose Bowl. But they figured wild card weekend played in the morning, no problems. But uh, I don't know. This seems to be an issue. Well, to me, it doesn't seem to be an issue. It, it, it is an issue, unequivocally. Man, you know, the three-week gap, you know, just another thing that the three-week gap does, and this is an issue with the FCS playoffs. There's nothing we can do, do about this if you have a, a multi-week playoffs like the FCS does, different from the FBS where it's, you know, two games or three games. Um, you, you do have an issue with fans having time to plan to get to the game, mm-hmm. which that's not the only reason why the first round of the playoffs had uh, pretty bad attendance numbers this last last year. The the rounds after that had much better. Um, a lot of that was also the teams playing, but but having time for fans to be able to get there is an issue. Um, according to the alums I've talked to, who seem to have a clue, that's actually part of why the Big Sky Basketball Tournament moved to a neutral site is because. Sometimes no one knew who was going to host the tournament until the last game or last weekend of the season. And then fans have a week total uh, to get somewhere. So that actually that that third week did matter to me. But I think I think we have to look at we got to hope the FCS looks at moving this or the NCAA looks at moving this uh, because you're right. You know, it seemed like we had we had a pretty big break for the FCS to get that championship game on ABC. You know, get that high. It's going to have high broadcast quality no matter what. But to, to be accessible better. to both, you know, our fans, you know, the big, the hardcore fans, but also people who will just turn on the TV and be like, oh, sweet, a football game. And this leads into wild card. Yeah, I'll do it. Um, I think you got to look to change in the weekend or change it to Friday. Um, if ABC would even want that as as prime time, because that exposure is a big deal. Um and getting that you know better viewership that that was a huge deal for the FCS, mm-hmm. and I oh man I, I'd hate the idea of losing that uh, you know after it seemed like we have you know some momentum we had some some breaks going our direction as FCS guys, um, so I, I think no I think you can't leave it on you can't have the championship the same day as that many football games. Yeah, I mean I think it just goes to show, just in general the move to FCS and the fact that people were tuning in kind of hungry because let's be honest. You're never going to outcompete the college football struggles in general. To, I mean, Clemson versus Alabama could be on the same day as the college football playoffs, and it would struggle. There's a reason why the FC or the FBS national title game is on a Monday. <laughs> like, they don't want to compete with the NFL playoffs either. So, the fact that what if we're being frank, and I think most people on this podcast are fine with it, it's some of the other fan bases that may listen. Uh, the FCS is never going to draw the kind of attention that the FBS is going to. So already competing with the NFL playoffs was a big deal. But like we said, it, they were smart. And people were like, well, why are they kicking off at you know 10 a.m. Pacific time? It's like, well, they're scheduling it so that the game is before the NFL playoff games because people are hungry for football. You know, you're going to the bar if you're in the town or if your team's away and you're going to go get your seat. Well, wouldn't you rather watch a live college football game than, you know, talking heads talk about the game for the millionth time that week? Most people would want to have at least 
two, both those things on. And I think it really helped that it was on ABC because even people that don't have ESPN, which there are still some households, especially with cable cutting going on, that is an antenna channel. People can get it. And I think it really helped with the ratings. I mean, it also helped that North Dakota State was against James Madison. But I know for me personally, some were Vandal fans, some were not. But they all know that, one, I was at the game, and two, um, I've really you know embraced myself into this world now of the FCS. I had people that don't normally follow FCS football, or if they do, it's pretty much just checking the box score on Idaho, actually tuning in and watching North Dakota State James Madison. So, which they weren't doing for North Dakota State, Eastern Washington. And most of those people I'm talking about live in the Washington, Idaho, Oregon area. So people that are aware of Eastern and they still weren't tuning in to watch Eastern. So it had something to do with it being on main TV. And I don't know. I'm worried about it. I mean, do you have any plans to fix it? I mean, do you move the game? Yeah, I think think you gotta. You you either do, you know... I said Friday, you said Monday. I don't give a damn which one it is. I, I think it's got to be that, the Friday or the Monday thing. And you – look, dude, you explained it too. The the FBS championships on a Monday, so the, the whole competition with the NFL is off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we, we got to. I mean, I mean I've been – on this show and just in talking, um, I've been pretty, pretty hardcore to the extent that I can be in favor of the FBS move. But you're right, you know. There's definitely some limitations of, uh, based off of being the FCS, um, inter- you know, with viewership and national media attention. I, I just, I just don't think the FCS can afford to to have the game become diminished in some sort of way, or have it become the kind of thing that you watch that on TV if you are a committed fan who's yeah. done the research to figure out when it's being on, and you're willing to skip maybe watching your NFL team to be able to watch a college team. No, man, that, that can't happen. Which we, It just has to move. Which is lucky in the fact that I guess at that point there's uh, 12 teams. I guess that's really hard, 12 teams. That's a lot of areas. Like, I don't know if – I mean, put it in perspective. Who are some of the bigger fan bases, right? Like, I mean, other than Alabama, like you think Ohio State. But I think if Ohio State was in the national title game – or the Browns or Bengals were in the playoffs, people would probably still tune in to watch the Bengals or Browns in the playoffs more than they should. I still think the Buckeyes might outdraw, but you look at LSU this year. Let's say LSU was playing in the national title game the same day that I guess they did this year. That would have been curious to see. Like, if they were on the same day, who would have been tuned in for Saints versus LSU, you know? Um, I don't know. I just... It's going to be hard, and obviously, you know, up here, the Big Sky fans, a lot of Denver Broncos, a lot of Seattle Seahawks, teams that typically tend to be good, a lot of 49ers fans, a team that doesn't look to be going anywhere. It's not like we really have teams that are down in our area, too. So if you're looking at, like, in Idaho or Montana school support, I know they kind of follow the Vikings, too, who don't look to be too bad coming into next year. I mean, the teams we care to see are all going to have NFL teams most likely in the playoffs, so... Yeah, I think it's going to have a huge impact. I don't know how you solve it. Like, I do think you are more right. I think for the SCS title game, it is better to have it on a Friday than on a Monday. I think the FBS works because there's so much money behind the FBS that, like, you know where it is all year. There's only four teams going into it, so you kind of have an idea if you're going to make the playoffs, and it gives you 
a month to prepare, but I don't know. I guess it's about the same amount of time. I just don't think FCS fans are going to travel to because it's not as culturally acceptable. I think in a way, if you're an Alabama fan and you know you are a we'll, we'll say in a, a banker in Montgomery or Mobile, Alabama, your boss is way more likely to understand you flying to Florida for the national championship game to watch Alabama than they would be and, you know, take that Monday off, possibly that Tuesday off to travel back. Then they probably would be if you said, if you're a JSU fan in Jacksonville, Alabama, and you're like, hey, I've got to go to the FCS national title game in Frisco, Texas. I'm not going to be at work on Monday and Tuesday. They would be like, hmm, you're doing what now? So I definitely think Friday's better because that just makes it look like you're making a long weekend. Uh, but it kind of sucks because I like it on Saturday. It's football's a Saturday sport. Um, if anything, I think maybe you move it forward a week. I I know it sucks, but I would rather be competing with some garbage bowl games than the NFL playoffs. Like I would rather we go up against like the Midas Bowl and the Belk Bowl, whatever else is in late January, the Potato Bowl, than the other ones. Because, I don't know. The Rose Bowl is always going to be on the first, which means it's only going to be on a Saturday once every, like, five to six years, depending on leap years. So you only have to compete with the Rose Bowl, like, once every five years. I think that's what you got to do. Or years where the Rose Bowl and Fiesta Bowl, et cetera, are going to be on those Saturdays, uh, then you – find a way to make it maybe then go against the NFL playoffs because you're never going to outdraw the Rose. I think the Rose Bowl is bigger than the – I don't know. I think you move it forward, though. I think you move it forward a week, and then maybe still, yeah, you do it on a Friday or Saturday. But, yeah, I don't want to compete with the NFL playoffs, and that's kind of my closing point on that. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else to add or if there's anything I said that you really liked or hate. You know, the, the, the niche the niche thing I want to go over is when you talked about, like, pitching it as a, a trip. Um, again, like, if you're not from a fan base that's rabid, like North Dakota State or University of Montana or something like that, um, I can tell you, pitching to your spouse, hey, let's go to New Orleans, is a, it, you know, and we'll, one day we'll go to a football game, uh, yeah. but the rest we're going to do other stuff. That is probably an easier pitch than... Hey, honey, you know we've always wanted to go to Frisco, right? Yeah, true. Hey. I mean, I, I know it's close, like it's close to other stuff. But I mean, like you were talking it's really about, not. <laughs> you were okay. Well, you you were addressing the idea yeah. that um, look, it's just we already have the classification issue. We already have the lack of media issue. We don't need to then invent. Oh, and it's also harder to get to, you know, just for the regular fan. Yeah, because um, yeah, I was going to say, I, you're right, for, like, the Grizz and even North Dakota State to some effect. Like, yeah, if you're in Fargo or Missoula, heck, even, like, Coeur d'Alene, obviously that flies. But I'm thinking, like, me out here in Seattle, I have to explain to my boss all the time. I have to remind him, like, because they know I go to all these football games that, you know, oh, no, the Idaho Vandals, which is funny because his boss is a Vandal. So it, he literally supervises a Vandal, and then his boss is a Vandal, but then he can't remember who the Idaho Vandals are. So I think that would be a hard time where even if I went up and said, hey, I'm going to a North Dakota State game, you know, he would be like, 
who I mean, it was like this year. I mean, I did. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go watch North Dakota State James Madison. No idea who those are, you know. But if I said, hey, Washington or Washington State is going to be playing in the Rose Bowl and I need Monday off, they'd be like, oh, yeah. You know, there's just – unfortunately, there's just not as much knowledge. Um, I would be surprised if they know that Eastern's in the FCS. You know, I think sometimes we take it for granted as serious sports fans because we kind of – are in this echo chamber. I mean, we're aware of it, but we forget how the outside really doesn't have a clue. Like we talk to people and it's like, yeah, or they're a generic college sports fan. It's like, you could go to somebody that probably is a Washington state fan or a UW fan. And they know that Eastern's in the FCS and Idaho's in the FCS, but generic people that aren't really huge college football fans. They have no idea, you know? They just know you're not – heck, people thought we were D2 when we were in the whack. So, like, <laughs> there are just some people that – and unfortunately it's more of the majority than the minority that are just, you know, your, your Sports Illustrated college football fans. They you know their LSUs, their Alabamas, their Texases, uh, but they don't know the Wyomings, the San Jose States. They definitely don't know the Idahos, the Texas States, the – Prairie View A and M's, so I don't know. It's it's a uh, you're losing an uphill battle, but man, it's a sure fun one. <laughs> but, <sighs> yeah, man. So no, it sounds like the jury's in here. Yeah, we, we, find you, a way. If you're a Vandal fan, you gotta hope because you you're a Vandal fan. We want to get there. Uh, you, you just gotta hope that everything that can add prestige and excitement to this game stays in place, and a chance at network TV has got to be there. Yep. I agree. So find a way, pretty much whatever ABC says to keep it on. So ESPN, Disney, Disney, ESPN, whatever it's properly called. Do what they say. If they say, we'll keep you on ABC if you move it to Friday. Boom. We'll move it to Friday. Okay. Just tell us what weekend you want it played. We'll play it. Because I think it's very important. That That's actually the answer. Ask ABC. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I, I, I We should have come up with that first. Yeah. Well, we just solved it. Only... 17 minutes into the podcast, but we solved it. Um, next thing, secondary spotlight, which is good. We killed a lot of time with that. Um, trying to keep these at an hour, and it's hard to come up with topics. If you have anything you want to hear, let us know. So the 2020 secondary, we really lost four players, but we'll call it three. Andrew Peterson was from Eastside Catholic in Bellevue. I don't. I think he was a walk-on. He was a freshman last year, isn't returning. Only saw one snap, so. Um, but we lose Devontae Ginwright, who we lost midseason anyways. Lloyd Hightower and Cedric Thomas, which are actually big losses. But uh, the production lost is 93 tackles, so almost 100 tackles lost. Four interceptions, two forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, and three touchdowns. So if you think about that, three defensive touchdowns is actually a lot to replace. And then I'm actually thinking about this, and we'll get into this as we carry on, but there's one thing that absolutely – you know how they didn't used to keep track of sacks as a stat? Yeah. Well, if they're going to count assisted tackles and total tackles and solo tackles, I think for, like, cornerbacks, DBs, there should be, like, forward tackle and backwards tackle. Like – is are we losing 93 tackles where they're chasing them down from behind? Because if so, that means they were absolutely terrible in coverage, and that's why they have so many tackles. Or are they coming up and playing really good in the run game 
or they're purposely running a scheme that's allowing, you know, the guys to catch the ball in front of them and then make a tackle. Because those are, you know, smart tackles. Those are good tackles. But I don't – how many of these 93 tackles were, oh, crap, we got beat, and you're, you know, making uh, – drag them down before they run into the end zone tackle? Because those aren't good. <laughs> I wish no, they're, they're not. Yeah, so um, that's the hard part of 93 base... tackles. It could be 93 bad tackles that we're hoping we got rid of, or it's 93 awesome tackles where – is fit in the scheme or they came up and made a play on a running back. But either way, I think when you hear at least Lloyd Hightower and even Cedric Thomas at that, you know, clip, um, 93 is still a good number. And the three touchdowns is going to be huge. And just the turnovers they created. That's uh, six created and three in which they recovered or took part in uh, recovering. So, I mean, that that's actually out of every position other than wide receiver – this has been our biggest loss for sure in terms of production. Yeah, and it's been our biggest. It's been a huge question. Well, it hasn't been a question mark the last two years. It's been a weakness the last two years. Um, but we've had good individual players, of course. Um, you know, Lloyd Hightower is a big one. Um, Cedric Thomas uh, did much better as the season progressed last year too. Uh, but I mean, to me, man, this is this is this is not like our linebackers. Uh, we this is a, a group that we are we need to see some growth out of um, if we're going to be competing for that playoff spot you know with being over 500 and at least being a fringe playoff team if that's us we're gonna we're gonna see some improvement in this group yeah um but i think one thing when i'm looking back at this we surprisingly which is why we're doing this right this is exactly the reason we might have some sleeper I, I thought we were pretty much gonna be looking at three new starters on defense. I mean obviously Lloyd Hightower, Cedric Thomas, but Devontae Jenright was out by halfway through the year and I'm surprised looking back how many solid contributors we actually have returning. I thought we were gonna see pretty much a new slate of people. I guess I just thought a lot of these guys were actually juniors. Um, but let's dive into it. Starting with Tevin Duke. He's a senior. But played in 11 of the games last year, so only missed one. He played in every single game in 2018 and every single game in 2017. So he's been contributing every year since he was a sophomore. And he only recorded two tackles last year. But good to see somebody that's pretty much been healthy, only missing one game in three years. Uh, then we have number 25, Jalen Hoover. Uh, this is a big returner. 12 games last year, 11 games in 18, 12 games in 17. So hasn't missed a game. Uh, he's also a guy who's played ever since he was a freshman. So we have two guys that have been huge contributors since they were freshmen. They're true seniors. So that's huge. Uh, I actually think Jalen Hoover is probably a sleeper pick to be our best defense, like most noticeable defensive player that you didn't remember hearing tons about last year. He actually had 50 tackles last year and 10 passes defended. He hasn't had an INT since his freshman year, but all points or signs point to Jalen Hoover being a pretty big contributor. Then you have number 27, Tyrese Dedman. He's also a senior. 12 games in uh, last year, 11 and 18, and then 10 and 17. So once again, three years of being a huge contributor, playing in every single game possible the last two years. 60 tackles. Two interceptions last year, eight passes defended, and two forced fumbles. If I would have told you going into this year about Tyrese Dedman, 
I mean, I don't remember him getting two interceptions or two forced fumbles last year. Do you? I mean, I remember him a bit, maybe one interception, but 60 tackles. I mean, that right there is a th two-thirds of what we lost with Lloyd Hightower and Cedric Thomas and Javante Jinright. Yeah, man, it's a surprise, too. Um, it's, I don't know, man. It, it's good, to, good we have at least some contributors coming back, so it's not like close to a complete clean slate. In the way that it felt like it might it might almost be a complete clean slate with both Lloyd Hightower and Cedric Thomas, um, you know, gone. But uh, no, dude, I, I'm, I'm hoping uh, Tyrese Dedman is our is and Jalen Hoover, either of them can be sleeper, you know, way better than you thought of uh, once that season rolls around. Yeah, because I think they're just I mean, that right there between those three guys, I think the problem is we've had Lloyd Hightower and Cedric Thomas. And so we've kind of overshadowed these guys a bit. Like mm -hmm. We've had Lloyd Hightower really be a main guy for two years and a big-time contributor for three, which is how long these guys have been on the team. So, you know, they're coming into – I think they just – we've known about Lloyd and we've known about Cedric and uh, a couple of the other DBs we've had in the past that I'm blanking on at the moment. But you got Jalen Hoover and Tyrese Dedman seem absolutely suited to step right in which will be good as we move in because we brought in a lot of youth as well. So I think that's going to be huge for us because now you have some young guys that can learn, and we actually have some – I mean, we have three solid contributing seniors. Tevin Duke not as much, obviously, as Hoover and Dedman, but huge contributors. But it doesn't stop there. Then we have number six, Warrior Knoll. He's a redshirt junior, played in eight games last year, two tackles, a guy that we expect to take a huge jump forward. 21, Ryan Swanson, redshirt junior. He played in one game last year, had one tackle. He's actually a Boise State transfer. He's originally from Eagle High School. Number 13, Jordan Doyle, true sophomore, played in one game last year, probably going to redshirt and be a redshirt freshman. Uh, big name. I know anyone that reads All Vandals has heard about this guy for three years now. Zach Borish, redshirt sophomore. Came in as a quarterback. He was Washington 3A Player of the Year in 2016. He gray-shirted in 17, red-shirted in 18, got to play in one game last year. The guy's like a judo black belt or whatever the top belt is in judo. So I've always said this. I know one of the most controversial things in Vandal, especially going into this season now, but it was a part of the previous seasons, is Zach Borish was an all-state you know, 3A Washington quarterback. And yet we have him on defense, and then there's possibility maybe he got moved to linebacker. And I'm just sitting here, and I'm going, this is actually the perfect guy to be a safety. I mean, you think about his judo background. You want that guy tackling people, not throwing a football. I'm sure he's a great quarterback, but I think we all believe we've got a couple good guys in there now. I want Zach in there using his ability to understand physics of the body and how to tackle people. I think he's... An awesome kind of run support safety, a strong safety of sorts. I actually think he's got a real chance to break into the lineup this year. There's been some conspiracy that maybe uh, Paul Petrino just doesn't like him a ton, but I don't think that's true. And um, can, can we stress how much that's conspiracy? Yeah, that like that is, you know, we've we have talked on this show with people like you know Alex Bowman. We've personally talked with other people who, let's say, probably know more about the team than like the average fan. We've talked about, you know, the stuff with Colton Clark. Yeah. No one who has a clue 
says anything about Zach Borish other than, hey, he's a good athlete. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, hope to see him on the field. I think it comes down to, I mean, just look at Boise State and Eastern do this really well. It's gray shirting and red shirting. Why, why would you want to race his talent? Would you really want him to be a true junior this year? Or no, he'd be a senior. Do we really want him to be a senior this year and feel like he would have wasted three years? Because let's be honest, we had good talent in that position. And at the time when he came in at quarterback, Matt Linehan was playing, so there's no reason to put him in then. And then we all know what happened the last two years. I think safety is perfect. I think you're going to see him probably maybe break into the lineup this year, maybe even start. We'll see. I, he reminds me a lot, uh, for people that remember, Tom Hennessy Jr., so the younger one that was just on the team from 2010 to 2015, except I think obviously more athletic. Tom was not a 3A player of the year. Isn't a black like a black belt in judo or Muay Thai or whatever. I think Zach is absolutely going to be that guy that's just wicked smart out there and just plays with his hair on fire. I'm super excited. I'm not sure how quick he is. That might be the only problem of having him at safety. But to be fair, like I said, I don't know how quick he is. I'm just assuming he's kind of slow because he was a, a quarterback that wasn't necessarily, you know, a super mobile one. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. But I actually think Zach is a perfect fit at safety. I'm excited he's there. Do you have any other closing thoughts on Zach before we move on to maybe my next favorite player on the team? Uh, dude, only closing thing, thing for Zach is <laughs> – Listeners, if you are not a member of All Vandals, which is probably most of our listeners, if you are bored during this quarantine, hunt through All Vandals threads for Zach Borish conspiracies. Yeah. The, 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 yeah, we spent a lot of time last year being being quite frustrated about the dead horse. This is kind of the new dead horse. Yeah, it kind of is the new dead horse. It's, it's been the horse itself. that's been dead. It just hasn't been kicked as much. And now we're like pulling it back out of the shed to start kicking it more because we have nothing else to kick. The other dead horse is dead, buried, no more kicking it. So we we pulled out one of the fresh ones we still had in storage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, Zach Borish, I actually think there's a chance he breaks in the starting lineup. We'll see. Number 16, Jackson Woodward, redshirt sophomore from Seattle Prep here in Seattle, Washington. Played in 11 games last year, recorded three tackles, but maybe more importantly, some of you will remember, he played on the Vandal basketball team this winter. Uh, he Actually, some fun facts that I found out when I was researching him more during all that. Uh, he was actually a high school quarterback until his senior year at prep, where he uh, became second team All-Metro, so the Seattle area, which obviously has studs. Look at UW and Wazoo. Most of their signees are out of Seattle. Um, at, at cornerback. However, he was recruited and played his first two seasons at Idaho as a wide receiver, which I think when we talked about him in basketball, we said he plays wide receiver for the football team. Well, he's made this jump over to the defensive side of the ball, and if you can get a second-team cornerback all-metro in the Seattle area, I am. I think this is a better pickup than we're giving ourselves credit for, and another guy I expect to see a lot of time. I unequivocally expect he'll see more time than the, than the nine minutes he saw during basketball season. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, that's not a joke. It's real cool that Jackson Woodward played both sports. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people would kill to be able to yeah. be rostered in two sports. Matt Linehan um, would have killed to have eight minutes. 
on the basketball yep. team. So, yeah. Um, no, dude, Jackson Woodward, I mean, look, if you're a D1 athlete, you're a good athlete. But uh, Jackson Woodward, you know, you're back. You, like you said, he was quarterback for a long time, played basketball. There's a chance that, hey, maybe he's, um, you know, one of the things we're, we're kind of going through is we know at least who two of the contributors are going to be. Who are the guys who might be contributors we, you know, this far away? Yeah, who, who uh, yeah. are going to be – I mean, we'll get into our projected starters, but as we're talking, you guys can probably understand that Jalen Hoover and Tyrese Deadman are probably the pencil-in guys. We're trying to look who are the Jalen Hoover and Deadmans of this team, you know? Yeah. Like, who are going to be the guys that secretly are going to make – more plays that just kind of go unnoticed. And then when we go through our 2021, we're going to be like, oh, we lost Hoover and Deadman, but did you know Jackson Woodward and Zach Borish had 45 tackles, two picks, and three touchdowns? Weird. So, yeah, that's kind of what we're going through. Obviously, some of these names probably aren't going to be your starters, but they're going to be larger contributors. Some of them might. We're going to do our starters here in a second. But, yeah, Jackson Woodward, quarterback, wide receiver, basketball player, the talent's there. It's just get him on the field. So hopefully it's his last year playing basketball because he just really shows out in football and we don't risk it. But we'll see. Whatever's best for him. Then we have number 23, Mujib Rufia. Rufia. I still haven't learned the proper way to pronounce her last name, but he is obviously Coyote's younger brother, the reason we got Coyote. Uh, he also is a Boise State transfer actually, after originally committing to Portland State, I believe. He actually played in six games for his last year, got one tackle. Uh, then you have... Yager or Jaeger, uh, Jacobi or Jacobi, her redshirt sophomore, no games, no stats. Number 32, DeAndre Pittman, one game, no stats. Number 18, Dave Eppinger, who'll be a true sophomore, 12 games, 13 tackles, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery. One of those true sophomores from the Arizona area that was a huge contributor. Um, him and then Soli Shannon and Hayden Hatton. So, I mean, if you look at it, our class out of Arizona, if you're in northern Arizona, going back to just northern Arizona woes, how do you let these three guys out of your grasp? I mean, these are three dudes that are huge contributors for Idaho as true sophomores or true freshmen, and now hopefully going to be larger contributors as sophomores. Uh, anything you want to touch on a little bit more before we get into the recruits? I'll hold off till we go through the recruits. Okay. Recruits. Terrence Antolin. Antolin. Uh, six foot from Spokane, Washington. Went to Ferris High School. So a usual state competitor there out of Eastern Washington. Um, he was the Greater Spokane League's defensive MVP. He's actually originally from Hawaii. He transferred to Ferris late in his high school career. So expect kind of like a JoJo Dixon type of player, um, obviously, though. So more like Shiloh K.O. coming out of uh, – or the Russell C. of Ehe, those kind of players. Uh, Darian Nash, 6'1", Montana transfer, played in 36 games for the Grizz and was a major contributor, huge steal for us. Uh, he was actually sixth in the Big Sky last year in passes defended with 13. So put that in perspective when we're talking about – you know, people like Tyrese Deadman who had eight, and Jalen Hoover, who had ten. So, I mean, like I said, surprisingly, we had more depth than I think even you and I realized, obviously. So I feel bad for the secondary we've been saying is our largest weakness. It might be wide receiver. We'll see. Um, but the secondary is definitely making some improvements, and Darian Nash being added 
absolutely huge. Colby Noseworthy, six foot from CDA. Uh, he's the guy that I believe when we originally recruited him was actually wide receiver and corner. But I know Bretsky really wanted to get him as on the defensive side of the ball. He pretty much compared him to, I think, a Lloyd Hightower. Well, here you go. He got him. Eight interceptions in his senior year, and he housed three of them for touchdowns. Those are like Ed, youthful Ed Reed numbers, where it was like one in three interceptions he got, he housed. So that's huge. Then you have Tommy McCormick, who's Sean McCormick's younger brother. In high school, he seemed to play a little bit more wide receiver. Um, so maybe this is one where he gets redshirted this year just because we need the depth or something, and then they move him the wide receiver. I expect Tommy McCormick eventually to do the opposite of Jackson Woodward and move to the offensive side of the ball. Um, but could be wrong. Maybe I don't, you know, I'm not the coaches. I don't know what they have in mind for Tommy, but that's where I imagine Tommy's going. Uh, and then Jabril Farms or Fames Farms, uh, 5'11", uh, from California, uh, averaged 13 and a half tackles a game as a senior. Then we also have Chauncey Smart, who we've talked about. He played corner coming out of high school, although we expect him to also be more of an offensive threat because of his speed. But there's a chance he will play two sides of the ball. If he does, it's probably a corner. Then you have Arnell Walker to round out the class 5'11 from Orlando Christian High School. So you've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five young guys coming in with two transfers that could possibly be playing defense. So like we said, we, we brought a lot back in to kind of take it over. But out of this list, anybody you want to talk about before we kind of guess our you know, starting safeties, and we'll call it our three corners and kind of guess a nickel. Oh, yeah, dude, too. Um, one is another off-the-radar off the guy where uh, it's, it's David Eppinger um, who, or, or Eppinger. Yeah. Didn't realize he played in 12 games. Nope. Uh, which, as a true freshman, hey, you know, I think that's a guy uh, Vandal fans have to hope, hey, that playing 12 games – as a true freshman, that's a sign of potential right there. Um, the other is, to me, a landing Darian Nash uh, could have been a pretty big, big, big get for us um, in this kind of year where we know we need to see further improvement in defensive backs. Darian Nash is, is no question a serviceable to solid Big Sky starter. You know, if you listen to Montana fans, um, after he decommitted, uh, or after he announced he transferred, um, I felt like there's a little bit of blowback he got because he went to Idaho. Uh, cause I remember listening to all podcasts and such, no one really saying anything negative about Nash, you know, the corners at Montana weren't as you wouldn't say were a relative strength last year, but Nash appeared, uh, their, their two big stars were Darian Nash. And I think Justin Calhoun the guy's last name is Calhoun. I yeah. that. Um, Calhoun was the one who definitely got picked on a lot more than Nash. Um, so, you know, to me, I saw we got there in Nash, like, okay, that's a, that's a question we had about whether we'd have, you know, another serviceable corner. We got it. Um, so, you know, with those two, those two guys, man, I, you know, there, there's some names I do feel promising about, of course, like anyone, if you look at your team probably feels, you know, solid about some of the guys, but man, you know, if we can get pick up in the secondary, um, Again, this is just a different team we're talking about for next year. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you have any 
it, I know it's hard, especially because like in the secondary you can move around so much. So maybe just guessing five contributors. I'm gonna try to go full by position, but I don't know. Do you have anybody you think you have an idea about? Yeah, I'll, I'll just give you five contributors. Okay. So we've already established Jalen Hoover, Tyree Stedman. Mm -hmm. They're, they're going to be contributors. Uh, to me, I think we've established Darian Nash going to be a contributor. Um, the next, you know, the next tier is, you know, let's say out of um, Eppinger, um, Mujib, Rufai, yeah. and maybe like Zach Boris, Jackson Woodward, if we can get two out of those, I think it'll be two of those guys out of those four. If I were going to, if I were going to, if I had to pick, like, I'd say Mujib Rufai and Dave Eppinger are my number four and five contributors. Um, Mujib maybe just a little bit more based off potential, uh, but he did, you know, as a, as a freshman, he did play six games. So, you know, there's, that's one point in his favor. Plus the fact that he came from BSU lets you know that at least at some point he was a, uh, you know, a, a relative relative to the big sky, a, a pretty high profile recruit, um, and then also, I think you're played twelve games as a as a true freshman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, mine's gonna be hard here. I think like your right and left corners are probably gonna be Darian Nash and Jalen Hoover. I think the nickel you're gonna kind of have a battle there between Eppinger and Warrior Knoll. I could see Tyrese Deadman making the move to safety just because he's got a little bit of height on him. So you know, moving him to your free safety position. And then I think Majib moves into your strong just because if you're looking at the totals, I mean, Zach Borish at 203. Um, then otherwise, I mean, you don't really have a lot of size there other than Majib uh, who's sitting at 206. So he's actually bigger. Everybody else is in like the one Jalen Hoover, 167, 511. You're not putting him at safety. Uh, Tyrese Deadman, 6'1", 183. So at least he's got the height there. Pittman's 189, so maybe uh, Swanson, maybe Tevin Duke, no Eppinger, no 510, Jackson Woodward, no Borish, maybe Jordan Doyle. I don't think we talked about Jordan Doyle, but no, he's 5'8, 156 pounds. Um, so yeah, maybe Warrior, but uh, that's what I'm saying. It's so hard. I'm not sure if we have a lot of true safeties on this team, which is what will be really helpful. Um, in the fact that I actually think if you have to look at it, Arnell Walker and Jabril Farms are kind of those guys. Maybe even – this is where one of the freshmen could really play in. Like, Noseworthy and uh, pretty much all the freshmen we got could probably play corner, but uh, Jabril and Arnell actually played it in high school. So I kind of like them to make that move. So you might have a freshman starting there. But either way, I think there's – there's going to be a lot of competition. Now, in general, the secondary is going to look different, but don't expect to be totally, you know, novices out there. We actually have a lot of competition coming in and competitors coming back. Yeah, dude, we do. And, oh, man, again, this is actually where I think the spring game is Help. is where I'm going to be frustrated. We don't get to see this. Um, now, we don't have the ones versus the ones, even if we play it, but this is the kind of situation where if our DBs are looking good um, against the number two quarterback, you can at least say, like, okay, it looks like, it looks like we've got some development. We can't, 
generalize this yet, but I can at least say I'm not worried. Uh, Darian Nash wouldn't be there for that anyway, but I mean that that's that's kind of how I view I viewed where we're going to be out of the spring game and uh, missing this group. I meant I guess I, I've I've said a couple times it's going to be my feeling until we're a few until we're a month into the season. Uh, this for me is the huge question mark. Doesn't mean they're all inexperienced guys, but rel- defensively, like it, the jury's in. Um, our defense, our secondary has been. Uh, the weaker link um, in our defense the last two years. It made strides last year uh, compared to two years ago. <sighs> but, um, you know, if we're, if we're not, if our, our offense will take a step forward, I believe with the dead horse situation over, if our defense can take another step, I, I think we will launch ourselves effortlessly into the group of, if you beat Idaho, that's a good win. Yeah. And, which we kind of covered last week. Uh, that Idaho, yeah. a win against Idaho is going to be a lot perceived a lot differently this year as it has the previous two seasons. Well, maybe not the first year. The first year, I think people still thought. I mean, Idaho what entered in the top twenty-five in a lot of polls. So, I guess in two thousand seven eighteen, it wasn't as big of. It was still a big win, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But, um, yeah, so. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much more I have to contribute other than I think the secondary, like we said, is it's got some talent and we brought in a lot of pieces. So it is a weakness. Maybe it's our largest weakness, but we definitely have pieces in place to make strides. Yeah, I'm hundred percent with you. hundred percent with you. And this is, again, man, this is, this is a group that I think, us as fans got robbed at the spring game. Yeah. Um, missing seeing them. To really see. Yeah, and we'll kind of sink and swim by this group because if they make a huge stride forward, that's where maybe we are, that team that's better than we think we're going to be, and we sneak into the playoffs. If they're what we expect to be, we've already covered. Um, if they're worse than we're expecting them to be, then it will be a disappointing year. So this, I think this and the wide receivers have the most weight on them this year in terms of production, but – Big Sky Classics. I don't know if you saw the news, Brian, but with the Mariners' baseball season postponed until who knows when, ever, maybe, Mariners should just quit playing. But the Root Sports is going to be running Big Sky Games starting Wednesday, April 1st, all the way through the month. They're going to play some of the best games from throughout the years of Root Sports covering the Big Sky and what's important in that is Idaho's only been in it for two years, and we already have two games that are being called Big Sky Classics. So maybe it is a good thing they invited us back into the league. If you're curious, our first game is April 16th. It's going to be a re-airing of the 2018 loss at Montana State. It's going to be showed at 2 a.m., and then it will be showed later that day at 2 p.m. So no joke, they're literally just running through these like 24 hours a day. Dang, I didn't realize that. But yeah, so if you're up really late on April 16th, which is a Saturday? No, it's a Thursday. So ladies night if you're at the club, but I think we'll all still be social distancing. Dang. Um, yeah, I don't know who's going to be watching that at 2 a.m. Sean Kramer probably, actually. 
There you go, Sean. 2 a.m. for you. Montana State lost. But more importantly, April 30th, you can relive the 2019 Eastern Washington game where we smoked them and then almost let them come back. Um, that's at airing at first at 3 p.m. and then a second showing will be at 11.30 p.m. Brian, out of these two games, which are you more excited to watch? Sorry, you're saying the uh, the, uh, re-airing of the Eastern Washington-Idaho State game? Uh, No, the Eastern Washington or Montana State game. Oh, God. Uh, No question to me, Eastern Washington uh, won. Hey, I was at that game. Um, And that was one of of the games I was – through that first half, I was just floored. I think every Bandle fan was floored. Um, But I I also just think it applies a little bit more to what we'll be seeing next year because I think Eastern's going to be better. I think Eric Berry is going to be better. Um, and I mean, the Montana state game, though, it was a good game. Of course, uh, we're two years removed from that. And ideally Montana state, Montana state doesn't think they're going to be playing Troy Anderson at quarterback at this point, I guess what I'm saying. Uh, so I think the Eastern game is a little more in my mind, relevant down the two. But again, like if you're looking for stuff to watch, this, this will be fun. Yeah. And I'm actually the opposite of you. And we didn't even plan this. I actually was more excited for the Montana state game because I was at both of these games but in 2018, unlike 2019, there was no app to stream Root Sports. So when I came home, what they did this past year is like Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday, they were doing reruns of the Saturday football games. Uh, you know, they're late at like 8.30, but I would watch them. I rewatched Eastern, I rewatched Idaho State, and I rewatched Montana. You couldn't do that in 2018 because they didn't have an app, and I don't have Root Sports the channel. So... Um, it was really nice that now I can rewatch that Montana State game because I haven't gotten to see it. I didn't get to see what Bozeman looked like on TV. And that was snowing in the middle of October. So I'm pretty excited to watch that. Plus, Troy Anderson is discount Tim Tebow. I want one more chance to watch him play quarterback because he didn't even play that much quarterback this year. So I actually enjoyed watching him at quarterback. Where Eastern was fun, but I've already rewatched it like Watched saw it live and rewatched it two or three times, so I'm a little less excited to rewatch that. But it's a great segue into our new series, the rewatchable series. We're kind of working out some details. Uh, we were actually supposed to discuss how we wanted it to work before this show, but we were really busy trying to get YouTube up and running for you guys, and obviously that failed. But it <laughs> made us start like a half hour to 45 minutes later than normal. But pretty much what it is is. I was watching, rewatching the 2009 Humanitarian Bowl because I talked about it with Kyler Neal and Rusty Kramer on the Eagle Power Hour the other day. And I knew it was on YouTube. I wanted to rewatch it. Rewatched it. While I was doing that, I ended up calling Brian and going, I'm having a blast rewatching this game. With the Big Sky announcing the classics, it gave me the idea of what other games are rewatchable. And so Brian and I have kind of been working and compiling a list. And we kind of want to start, I don't know, if it's kind of like a book club. We're going to kind of challenge you guys every week to rewatch one game. And we're going to try to make it as easy as possible on you guys and try to get them uploaded onto our YouTube channel so you can just watch them there. Because there are little things I noticed in, like, the 2009 Humanitarian Bowl, such as the announcer keeps referring to the state of Idaho as the treasure state, said the gem state. And that it happened to air on the same day that Mike Leach was fired from uh, Texas Tech 
But ironically, is Brock Heward was doing the call, who's a big-time Husky, and he brought up how it, it was kind of dumb for Texas Tech because the win at a school like Texas Tech in a place like Lubbock, you got to have a guy like Mike Leach. And then he brought up a guy like Rob Akey at Idaho, a guy like, you know, kind of fun, quirky personalities. But then, ironically, he ends up going to Washington State. So, you know, it's so funny when you rewatch some of these games, some of the cool plays and some of the memorable players you forget about. But then also, like, kind of seeing how it – when you heard about the 9 team and how there's so many juniors, and then we know what happened in 2010. And so it's kind of weird coming back to 11 years later and seeing everything that's changed in the college football landscape, including the fact that the Bowling Green head coach at the time – I didn't know had an FCS background. It won multiple FCS playoffs and pretty much built up the Richmond program. So I thought it was really entertaining. And so we've kind of compiled a list for you guys. Here's kind of the games that Brian and I have either have, know you'll be able to rewatch, or want to try to find a way that we can rewatch. So let us know if you guys have any. Um, but right now, obviously, the 2016 Idaho Potato Bowl, we're kind of going for, I guess I should explain this, games that don't necessarily – they might have vandal like history like obviously we're going to start with the three potato bowls so stuff like that or just games that you just really want to rewatch like brian suggested he wanted to rewatch 2017 versus georgia state which was our last game in the fbs but more importantly was colton richardson's first and only start as like the only guy playing that game uh in which he didn't get hurt so and we won that game so that was one that made the list so for instance 2016 Potato Bowl, 2009 Humanitarian Bowl, 1998 Humanitarian Bowl, 1998 Boise State, 1999 Washington State, 2009 Colorado State, 2017 Georgia State, 2019 Idaho State, 2019 Eastern Washington, and 2018 Montana State. Those last three are because either, well, the last two are because they're already on the big sky, so we might just loop them in those weeks and let you guys know to rewatch it there. But if you have any games at home, that you think are all-time Vandal greats, um, let us know because we're going to try to get copies of them and try to do like a book clubby type thing going forward. And we don't know if we're going to rank them and you know start a running chart of which games we think are the best. Maybe that's how we'll do it. We'll rank each week. Um, you know, I think the 09 Humanitarian Bowl is our best game. And then we'll rewatch the 98 Boise State game. We'll go, ooh, it was good, but not quite as good. And maybe eventually we'll have a list of like the top 10 Vandal games of all time and a YouTube playlist. So you can always find them and rewatch them. How's that sound, Brian? I did all the talking there, but is that about <laughs> how you remember our conversation? Yeah, man, pretty pretty dang close. You know, for me, what I wanted to do, in addition to look, I mean, I I think there are there's still some appetite for vandal content, or we wouldn't be doing this. Um, I want I like that we're we're keeping it going. I like that we are at least a Corona free ish um, outlet for people. You know, so if you for for people who need to get their head out of coronavirus stuff, hey, we got an hour for your week, man. Yeah. But uh, in addition to that, I like the idea of looking through some of these old games just so we can, you know, have a better physical context, you know, of of some of the stuff we're reimagining. You know, for example, I, I believe I think it, it'll be fun to see Colton play in that 2017 game against Jordan's, Georgia State. Maybe compare it to what we see against Idaho State. Um, because Colton, look, and we're trying to keep this relevant. Colton might be a starter next year, and that's really the only, some of the only tape we have we can go through. 
Um, you know, seeing a win against, against some Boise State, Washington State, those are a big deal. And also, you know, seeing the dome packed uh, like it was for the 2009 Colorado State game, uh, you know, just something that might, might bring a smile to your face. And, you know, worst case scenario fans, you watch this because when you know the results of the games, you can give yourself permission to say, like, well, I, okay, I want to become a little bit smarter at watching football because I know who won this game. I'm just going to watch the linebackers for a little bit and watch what they do. Yeah, I mean, that was um, your whole thing with 2017 Georgia State is you just want to watch Colton Clark or Colton Clark. Man, I didn't know Colton Clark was out there. The other Lewiston guy, uh, yeah. Colton Richardson. Um, and you just want to watch him. So, I mean, that's something where you're not watching the wide receivers or the defensive rush. You're watching him pre-snap, post-snap how he moves in the pocket, how he handles after he's thrown the ball. You know, you're going to be doing more of, I guess, what Brock Heward calls out here on the sports radio, making yourself a smarter football fan. He always talks about that, too, where um, in football, you're trained to watch the ball. He goes, if you literally spend time and you want to be smarter, he goes, watch the line, watch the linebackers, watch the secondary. He said, each series, pick a new position and just watch them. And it's hard on TV. You know, it's easier when you're live at games because you can see the whole field, but... Watch the wide receivers. Watch if they're coming out of breaks just straight or if they're making moves. And he said that's the best way to, like, improve your football IQ is when you, especially on games like this, like we said, you know the outcomes. You know what big plays you actually are going to want to tune in for. Like, in 2016, the Jordan Freisinger one-armed catch. You're going to want to rewatch that. But, you know, you might not care to watch some of the other stuff. So watch um, those kinds of things and just watch, yeah, that. And I get, it, it should be fun. And the whole point of this is we're all inside. Most people's weekend plans are done. I know I had plans last weekend. Uh, I was supposed to be at a wine walk, and then there was I was supposed to be at Supercross, but all that stuff got canceled. So here I find myself on Sunday with nothing to do. Threw on YouTube, found an 09 Humanitarian Bowl game, and had an absolute blast. And that's what kind of sparked this idea. So you've got time. Um you can fit it in if we give you a whole week. You know, you can watch bits and pieces of it. You can watch quarters of it. You know, we're going to get rid of the commercials. You'll be amazed how fast football is with no commercials. So uh, we're going to probably put in the work. Hopefully my computer can handle that, unlike streaming. If not, there might not be commercial, or there might be commercials, but you can fast forward. But I, I think it will be enjoyable. So please let us know any games you want to see. Just go over the list again. We have all three bowl games, 1998 against Boise State. 1999 against Washington State, 2009 against Colorado State. I have all of those. Already got a DVD player uploading them. Those will be good. Uh, the ones that we need to work on getting but think we can get a hold of, 2017 Georgia State, 2019 Idaho State, 2019 Eastern Washington, 2018 Montana State. So you can tell some of those are more recent. But maybe there's, like we talked about, maybe somebody want to watch Aki's last game or Aki's first game or Paul Petrino's first game. Um, so think of stuff that you would like to see and we can probably I, I have a couple contacts in this stuff and I'm going to try to see if anybody has them but you'd be surprised who has games of what out there maybe there was a game against Hawaii in 06 you really liked or maybe we want to watch some of Dennis Erickson's maybe watch his four wins from 06 like I don't know there, there's stuff out there and we can probably find it so like just going through this I'm coming up with a bunch of games I want to watch so please message us uh, but it's time for us to probably close it down here. No time for hashtag AC. Closing the bar. FCS versus FBS has been postponed. We'll probably quit bringing it up until we have a better idea. 
it might just be our season starter. We might move it to July. I don't know. We'll let you know probably on Twitter, but otherwise, until further notice, expect us to not talk about it. But uh, it was brought up to me that they think it is important that it happens because people need to get it off their chest and, like we said, move on after that. So we will do it. It's just right now, and it might not be in person, but for further notice, we're going to quit bringing it up because – we don't have a date for it, so there's no reason to talk about it till we do. Just know that it will not be happening. Uh, position Spotlight Series. We're on our last ones. We have the defensive line next week, which should be have a lot of heavy replacers. Uh, sorry, peop- really good people coming back. And then we wrap it up the following week with the quarterbacks. Um, make sure you uh, ask everybody to explain what they have going on in their life and how they can find them. So, Brian, you... Find me at Brian Marceau on Twitter. That's M-A-R-C-E-A-U, uh, B Marceau 86 on Instagram. But I don't really post that much stuff other than pictures of my cat. Um, yeah, guys, you know, hit us up again. Uh, love to get feedback on the on uh, you know our Vandal rewatchables. Hope you guys are enjoying the hour break we give you from you know the COVID world. And yeah, man, we we have other stuff in the works too. We can't quite yet bring up, but uh, believe us. We're working on some interviews we think that you guys like. Yep. Uh, you can find me at Chris underscore P underscore Hammond. And make sure if you don't follow me, you do follow me because apparently I, thanks to our friends at the Montana Mint, I will now be competing in, I was volun- volunteered slash invited to a, I don't know if you call it celebrity. Pretty much it's a Ken Griffey baseball from 2000 or no no 1994 i'm in some tournament that they'll be streaming of it and everything so stay tuned for details on that it's all going to the dc area's food shelters so it should be cool i'm the pittsburgh pirates stay tuned there's going to be a bunch of writers from like the athletic the washington post and forbes so some big time people i don't know how i got invited but i did so check me out on twitter for info on that maybe watch me get my butt kicked because I'm not a computer game person, but yeah. Uh, make sure you let us know which game you want us to start with because next week we'll probably announce which of the rewatchables we're starting with, so let us know that. Make sure you follow Big Sky Podcast Network. That's at Big Sky Podcasts on Twitter to make sure you get stay up to date with all the BSPN developments and receive our content throughout the season as us, Grizz Fan Pod, and Eagle Power Hour are still going strong. All right, I think that's it. We hit them all. Time for the best band in all the land. The Sound of Idaho. Play us out. Go Bandits. Go Bandits.